Hey everybody, welcome to episode 4 of the Combat Chain Podcast. I am your host, Adam Philipchuk, alongside Andrew Podletsky and Jeff Horan. And uh, we're going to start off with some uh, some good news. We are on all major media platforms. We are on Spotify, we are on Apple Music, we are on... Stitcher. Stitcher. iHeartRadio. Deezer. I think we're still waiting for the Deezer one to process, but, but it's coming. It's coming. Google Podcasts will be there. So I know a few of you have been asking for it. It's finally here. You guys can hear us on the go. You can download an episode. Super easy, whatever platform you use. This week on the pod, we're going to be uh, going through, uh, we're going to be talking about skirmish season. Uh, we're going to be talking about some strategies to get you ready for uh, blitz, strategies to get you ready for draft. Uh, so yeah, we'll be going into that, uh, talking about, uh, our own, uh, skirmish experience already that can hopefully help give you guys some, uh, pro tips to be successful in the remaining skirmishes this season. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's talk about our weeks in, uh, flesh and blood. Jeff, how was your week? Uh, well, mine was pretty chill. I don't think I played any events except for today, uh, since last time we recorded it, but I played a blitz event. Um, and played Reinar. I beat Rare. Adam. <laughs> yeah, good old Rinner. I uh, beat Adam on Kano, which yeah. was pretty tight. That was a tight match. It was very. I had Arcane Barrier Four, so that was yeah. Uh, that was probably what saved me there. Um, I beat Old Him pretty handily uh, in the hands of Hayden, but uh, she put up a good fight. So you know, it was a good game. But she runs just, a good fatigue match. She does. Yeah, I just you know I had a ton of just intimidate three cards out of your hand come in for 10 type turns so she just you know not a lot you can do there that seems tough when you're playing a whole bunch of defense reactions yeah that you just, cost resources yeah exactly yeah. and uh you know she had some awkward draws as well mm. uh, and then i lost to uh andrew on lightning briar in the finals mm. it wasn't uh, particularly close but i put up the best <laughs> fight that i could and yeah so a little two one there with rinner the brute yeah, Briar represent yeah. the uh, the great uh, omen of uh, our meta strikes again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I am I'm on a bit of a tear the, right now. Yeah, you're always the final boss every event. <laughs> just uh, Andrew in the finals again. Okay. But uh, yeah, it was kind of it was in between uh, playing Reinar or playing Hybrid Briar, and I just went with Reinar. You know, it's kind of the thing that was in the box, ready to go. So yeah. I think it's worth testing too, because some people online have been saying Reiner might be a good choice into Briar. Yeah, it's also just very good against um, like old him mm -hmm. um, for the reasons that you mentioned, and I think it's like a very playable deck. I can tell I mean, you, it makes Kano's life miserable because now you have to decide if you're gonna just go off right at the beginning of their turn based off very little information yeah and just being able to you know start the action with a barraging beat down or, or yeah. even just you know triggering an intimidate from a discard is just very very strong against kano so yeah strong into kano strong into prism yeah yeah it's uh it's i think it's a very good deck and probably under underrepresented in the meta but i mean even nationals there were quite a few reinars that made top eights no wins but what about you andrew how was your week it's pretty good. It's pretty good. As you said, today, Wednesday, went 3-0 with Briar. Um, 
Yesterday I was just playing some old hymn for some fun at Taps for Blitz, and I lost to Cole on Ira, either in the second last round or the last round. But that was fun though, we played four rounds there. And then last Saturday actually, me and Adam have a pretty cool story where we road trip down to Calgary to play their skirmish <laughs> because I was a little disappointed that Edmonton only got one skirmish, and that's in Leduc coming up this weekend. So we thought, also we missed our Calgary buddies at Nationals for sure. That was the other motivation behind going down to Calgary yeah. is like those people a lot. So we hopped in the car at a good 5 a.m. and boogied <laughs> off down to Calgary. And uh, that day went really well for both me and Adam. I went 8-0 on the day and didn't drop a game. Yeah. And won the Razor Reflex mat there and so that it was, top eight uh, promo. It was five rounds cut to top eight? Yes, yeah. five rounds cut to top eight. I think we had like around 24 people, maybe That's 21 Yeah, for that blitz skirmish. And then Adam happened to win the other Razor Reflex yeah, play mat in, in a raffle. raffle. <laughs> so we just kind of slid in there and scooped up all the prizes. Yeah, just cleaning <laughs> house down in Calgary. Yeah, Edmonton represent. Um so I do want to say it is funny that we kind of inspired a good eight of them to sign up for our skirmish in Leduc next weekend. I feel like they want to come down and get some revenge. Yeah, we've got to defend the title now. Yeah, we got to defend Edmonton in, in some drafting. But before we get to that, Adam, how was your week in Flesh and Blood? It's pretty good, pretty good. Thursday was uh, Leduc, Dream Escape, uh, played Briar on CC. I uh, went to the final or was uh, the one of the XOs going into the last round. Uh, lost to uh, Brandon on uh, on Briar, and uh, that one where I think I made a misplay where I made a block I didn't need to make, and it was kind of like right edging into the the late game, like right at the the teetering point from the mid game to the late game, and uh, I, I think I, I probably would have gone to like one if I had kept that card, but then I would have been able to come in with just an impressive turn. And instead I made a block, uh, really, really weakened my turn and uh, I just wasn't able to threaten enough. And he was able to then swing back and get me with lethal the next turn. So uh, close then. Uh, then, yeah, we Saturday we road tripped down uh, for the skirmish. Um, I was on Kano. Um, managed to make it all the way to the semifinals, actually played Andrew in the semifinals. And uh, uh, I just, I uh, I didn't get the draws I needed. Um, I have, I'm always one to admit when there's something I could have done better, but in that one, it just, it really came down to the cards weren't uh, there when I needed them. I think a part of it too was finishing the Swiss rounds 5-0. So this means I get to pick to play first in all of my top eight matches and so against adam in the semis i chose to go first and i just came out of the gates swinging with like a very fast hand i put out a ton of damage turn one yeah for that, sure that's a huge advantage against kano for sure when yeah. they don't get that extra that extra hand at the start of the game yeah yeah that does make it harder and i think i do in that that opening hand i remember i think i had a red voltic bolt or something like that and that's kind of the card i'm looking for on my first turn uh, to get things started because then I can Voltic Bolt for six. You're going to block and you're you're going to maybe spell Void two of it. Um, actually, uh, actually, I'll touch on this after. I played up. I played into a, a really heads up Briar um, on Monday. Uh, but Saturday, yeah, uh, semifinals against you. Um, but we both went home with uh, the mats anyway. That was pretty sweet. 
Uh, Sunday played in an online skirm- skirmish for uh, Game Shack, uh, managed to make it, uh, playing on Kano once again. Uh, made it to the semifinals in that one, lost to Mike C. Uh, that was a really good match. Monday played in the Fighters Guild, managed to make it to the quarters on Kano. Uh, so three top eights in three days, uh, two in skirmish, one in an armory. Uh, but I mean, Fighters Guild is a pretty good, uh, pretty good group of guys that show up for that one. So um, yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, Tuesday we played uh, at uh, Taps, we had our Blitz. And that was, uh, I, I, I brought out a Shiana deck for that one. I've got this Shiana idea. I, apparently I'm not the first one to have this idea, but uh, I had it without net decking, so I'm still proud of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take it for what it's worth. Uh, Force of Nature is kind of like a constant plunder run in that deck. So it's just, I think, uh, apparently there's rumors of a deck out there that actually one turn killed someone with... Uh, with, with just keep drawing off a Force of Nature and Stubby Hammers. So... Uh, Jeff's eyes are rolling in the oh, back of his head. <laughs> I never thought of the hammers with yeah. the yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. And then like Art of War can kind of enable it too. And yeah, we played a game on Tabletop Simulator, and it was very close to popping off. And it does look like it could be very scary. So I, I net decked for the the two la- last night Tuesday night um, a list, and I didn't quite like it. There's some cards in there that I want to sub out. I want to try some different things. Uh, it's a shame. Ravenous Ravel definitely does a good job of not allowing itself to be good for that. But uh, I like like Yellow Scar for a Scar, um, Yellow Snatch. Um, yeah. What's the Iro one? That one seems good in that uh, deck too. Whirling, Whirling Mist, Mist Blossom. Blossom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. The problem with that one though is, uh, like, I mean, yeah, if you can make that hit, uh, that's a triple draw. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> Jeff's eyes, he's like, no, that should not be allowed. <laughs> This game's crazy. <laughs> oh, you can do busted things in this game. Like you you need to learn the rules to know how to break them. But like, yeah, you can do busted things in this game if you know how to do it. Uh, so I'm I just gotta tinker with it a bit, and and we'll see what I can figure out, and hopefully at least once pull off a one turn kill with it. That's that's the dream, I think. If you just do one and then hang it up quickly or ahead, <laughs> put it back in the desk. Yeah, it'll be like this is the one dominating game this thing had. <laughs> document it proof and yeah yeah we'll have to get that one on camera <laughs> yeah maybe you know maybe that's a good uh a good uh content video we can just play with it into different decks <laughs> slam and... games until you get the one turn kill <laughs> well i was just like like play around with it into different matchups and just see kind of what happens yeah yeah mm-hmm. for sure so yeah. Also, speaking about playing online events, yeah. Adam's going to be the motivation for me to upgrade my webcam and start playing some online events, uh, so even though I don't particularly enjoy them. Oh, come but on. They're not bad. We have this friendly competition going right now where we keep passing each other on the 90-day XP leaderboards. I think, <laughs> well, tonight it's going to be, I think you're going to be ahead by three points. It's now. always so tight, like one person's ahead of the other by one or two or three points. So yeah, that was my one edge is that you wouldn't you, you yeah, didn't I don't want to play, play the online, online events, events. Yeah. and but now you're you're maybe, gonna do maybe it. Maybe I'll eh? have to, or maybe I can rack up some points while you're playing around with fun decks, and I can just keep bringing the cutthroat deck and taking the prizes, <laughs> just spiking <laughs> events left, right, and center. Tonight I was on Kano at uh, Common Box, our uh, one one of our local stores, and that was. Uh, Lost to Jeff in round two on Reiner. Jeff kind of touched on it already. That one was a close match. Um, 
I I had an opportunity in that match where I could play a Sonic Boom, and I just had no way of knowing what was on the top of my deck, and I knew you had Null Rune 4, so it was like the likelihood of it kind of hitting were not maybe high enough to, to like... At least I, whenever I'm playing Sonic Boom, I at least wanted to hit for two because yeah. I, I need to I need to clear those Voltic Bolts and those Aether Spindles, and I think there was some worry that I wouldn't be able to pull that off, and that was why I chose the other line that I did, and I think I came just a couple points short of of lethal yeah. or a couple yeah a couple points short of like a true lethal where you'd have to block it and stall your turn yeah, and uh, that's kind of where I lost it, but. That is, that's, you live by the Kano, you die by the Kano. Uh, you, sometimes you go for it and it, you, you just come up short. And uh, I mean, a good Kano player learns how to set up their deck and wait for those opportunities. But even at that, when you're playing into Reinar and he can kill you in one turn, you got to yeah. push. Yeah, I mean, and I, like I said, I got lucky with just having the barraging beatdowns to force the action. And then yeah. I, I had more, you know, four, five, six resources that I was just ready to pitch. Like, I don't care if this beatdown actually does nothing, and I just pass the turn after I block six or seven damage. I just, you know, I had the hands that worked out well enough that I was like, okay, I'm just going to force it. I can, you know, Arcane Barrier four or five, and then come in with the club or whatever, right? Or a card from Arsenal, so. Yeah, and it worked. And I, I think, I still think I played it right, though. And I think um, moving forward, playing into Reinar on Kano, I'm still going to try to be really aggressive, try to strip their hand uh, before they can play anything and yeah. try to... Because when Reiner is down to like one or two cards, their turns become a lot weaker. Yeah, I mean, you know, club four is is not... <laughs> two, two cost attack for four is two resources more than what Briar pays to attack for four. So, yeah. you know, that's not, that's not ideal. And uh, yeah, definitely... It's definitely an interesting match. We'll have to play more and yeah figure out you know kind of how to how to play towards your outs i guess like if it is correct to sonic boom or if there's just not a lot that you could have done or, yeah so. yeah i know i'm very curious though but yeah that was my week in flesh and blood so talking about blitz specifically especially for the skirmish season right now are we kind of all in agreement that kano and briar are maybe like sitting in tier s by themselves for our viewers at home to consider taking which which what are the boogeyman of the format yeah and I, what you might want to bring to target that or to if I, you can't beat them join them i yeah i think i mean kano's always been dominant in blitz and the fact that kano has a good matchup into briar right away um i think yeah you're right to solidify kano up there as a, if not tier s close to uh, Briar as well has been super dominant and actually beats out uh, one of the other dominant decks in the uh, that that we were seeing throughout the first two skirmish seasons. Because uh, Ira, Ira was a force to be reckoned with. Um, I cut my teeth on Ira throughout the first two seasons, and uh, uh, unfortunately, she just does not seem to do well into. Yeah, it's just almost not winnable. Yeah, all of the testing we've done, uh, I played it twice in Calgary. Played it again tonight. Like it's just not a stressful matchup at all for Briar. Yeah, yeah, and like I mean, when you and I were testing it, we tried full out aggro Ira. We tried more of a mid range defensive Ira. We tried running it with Null Rune. We tried just running full block. We just we we tried everything, and Ira couldn't get any incremental advantage in that game. So I haven't played Ira 
or like I haven't played that matchup at all. So like what what is the reasoning? Like why is it such a poor like is it just like your cards don't like they're just not it, you're not exchanging I find cards very well or Yeah, like Briar's always up a card every turn by not pitching to play the game. So when we're just like coming out with our normal hands, we're still leaking damage through every turn. And then I'm getting those embodiments of Earth. So if I ever need to block, I, I like I find Briar is just more efficient than Ira is in trying to do the same thing. Right. It's like, you're, yeah, especially if you're both just aggro back and forth. Like, yeah, Briar's coming in for, for 12 yeah. and Ira's coming in for. And I for have nine so many breakpoints and tricks and ways to go tall one turn and then really wide the next turn, depending on how I think Flick Flacks are going to end up. I can kind of mix my damage up between Arcane and Physical. Um, my equipment blocks for a little bit more. So most games, I just never have to block from my hand until I'm trying to stop a massive on hit effect or something, which Ira doesn't really present many of those either. Yeah. It's usually just Kadashi for one, Kadashi for one, you know, four, four attack. Two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Ira can't play the needle in this matchup either, because if I get a couple embodiment of earth tokens, I can just blow up the needle. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Ira... Ira was at her best when she could kind of block with one or two cards and then still be able to come around and threaten 10 damage with two cards. And that with the constant threat of mask is kind of the things that that really made Ira shine. Uh, that and like Flick Flocks, if they're played well, uh, block so much um, with, with that added value you get on a, any combo card. But uh, I, I think to Andrew's point, just... Briar has so much more efficiency and can threaten so much more damage and can threaten damage a lot quicker than than Ira can and Ira just can't keep up and it's unfortunate um she was she was she was near and dear to me <laughs> like I, I mean I, I've been through a lot with that hero but like I feel like she's probably still a fine choice against everything that's not Briar you know yeah like yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything else she, Still she plays a solid well deck, too. But yeah, th- th- that'll make sense. So yeah. If you're expecting a Briar heavy meta, though, yeah, it's time to hang up the Kadachis, unfortunately. Bring out the Kano. Yep. Bring out the Kano. Can the, the reason Kano, on the other hand, and it's funny because Kano and Ira went really toe-to-toe well. Um, I, I've played that matchup so many times on the Ira side, and it, it was always such a, a close match either way. Um, and... It surprises me that Ira can't keep up now. Uh, but the reason Kano does so much better is um, uh, Briar doesn't run any blues. Uh, yeah. Briar cannot block any of the arcane damage. And with Kano's ability to, at instant speed, get kind of an extra turn, Kano can just whittle, uh, whittle Briar down until... Kano has lethal and Briar can even be coming in on the turn like with any other hero that that would be a lethal turn on that hero but Kano can just wait till Briar overextends themselves and then Kano can actually kill first yeah and that's that's why Kano has such a favorable matchup I think into uh Briar yeah yeah that all makes sense a lot of games would be like I dish out a ton of damage on my first turn of the game and usually eat like three or four arcane early or sometimes five or six and then on the next turn, I like put all of my cards down on the table to threaten lethal, and Adam will go off and fork lightning me for like fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> it's lethal. Yeah, and you're just toast. <laughs> I'm just dead. Yeah. Um, but I started playing the shock charmers 
because it's blitz i can bring all this equipment anyways so now i have three null rune and just a spell void too and i think and you know what actually i'm gonna one up you even uh there's a guy i played so i I was gonna touch on this there's a guy i played in the fighters guild on monday night he brought he went into the monarch blitz decks and fished out all the spell fray items yeah and ended up thought about those too he ended up running yeah i think uh he had shock charmers, spell fray cloaks, spell fray leggings. Is there a headpiece? I don't think so. But either way, that's no that's spell void four on its own. Mm-hmm. And the one turn, uh, I've got his name here now. It's uh, Patrick Shaw. Shout out to Patrick Shaw. That was a, a really heads up play. It stopped. I actually had. I was gonna have a really good turn where I was gonna sonic boom into something else, followed by a snapback, and uh, he was able to fully shut down my uh, sonic boom. And after that, the game only lasted two or three more turns, but it didn't matter because I that is I lost so much momentum there that I couldn't keep up and keep dealing damage. Yeah, and that falls right in line with Briar's plan to not pitch to play the game. Exactly. So I think as we move into um, as we move further into uh, this skirmish season and people start playing around with things for the next uh, competitive season, we're gonna if. Because Kano, Kano plays well into Briar and CC as well. And if if we see a rise of Briar followed by a rise of Kano, the Briars are going to rel- go and rely on their spell fray stuff. And that might be the right play. Do you remember in Toronto when we were walking around this building in a circle because <laughs> we were lost? Yeah. I um I told you I wanted to play Ebonfold for Spellvoid 2, which I'm dumb. This says Shadow Runeblade on it, so you cannot. Yeah. But I do think Spellvoid could be where yeah and be. even if you're running like yeah spell spell void four and uh you got skull cap on top of that and you somehow end up lower life than them uh you've still got a you've got arcane barrier three at that point if you need it yeah and mm-hmm. realistically you can kill them in like two turns yeah. with some normal briar hands so you just put it all out on the table and you go okay this is it can you deal 24 to me 23 to me if you have these spell voids yeah so the 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 spell phrase the spell free items are definitely um going to make Kano's job a lot harder and moving forward it's going to be interesting to see if players uh pick up on that are there foils of those they're not right no, no. not currently i bet you will see them in uh everfest actually <laughs> That could be a good include because yeah, they don't have the full set. It could be a nice, nice little equipment at common, or even if. Well, I, I think, think they they're actually rare. they have a rare label on them. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I mean, even if they're rare, that's not a bad little cycle of equipment. Yeah, and like I mean, because that's what we what we saw in Crucible was like all the stuff that people wanted foils of that they hadn't been able to get at that point, like the uh, rune foil, chance and the rune chance, the quick and tokens, the foil heroes. Uh, all that stuff that that's when we got that was in uh, or even the token weapons we all got that in uh uh like your kadachis and your crucible yeah, yeah. They, didn't, they didn't do foil heroes right they just did the single-sided heroes they did the single-sided heroes um they're foil though there are foil versions of them yeah oh, okay yeah like because i have a foil ira Oh yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I have a foil, I but I, I think it's weird where like some of them came in foil and some of them didn't. Hmm. So it might just be the ones that, like the ones that are only in Crucible, like Ira, Kayo, maybe uh, the Merchant. Yeah, I think I have a foil Merchant. Yeah. that was the set I've opened the least. So yeah, I think those are the only ones in foil because I I've I opened a decent amount of Crucible. I don't think I found like a foil Reinar. No, I don't think those exist. Any of the old ones, I think it's just they had the single sided ones and then the foil new young heroes. Yeah. 
So yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, I mean, I bet you with Everfest, we're going to see things like we're going to get foil spectral shields and foil soul shackles. And I would love a soul shackle. I bet you that's where we'll see it. That's where we'll see it. But back into skirmish season, I think everybody's in agreement that Kano and Briar are the decks to beat at this point. And we might even see Briar take a stronger share of that as uh, people start to include spell fray stuff if uh, if people have access to it. People talk about targeting it with old him too. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you do to fight it? You stack two stings and three ball lightnings on the bottom of your yeah. deck and you play for the late game where you're trying to chip in as much damage as possible any way you can find out. Yeah. You know, split your damage between arcane and physical or go tall with command and conquers or exude confidences or light and strikes and then your last turn of the game you're gonna have this monster sting sting ball 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 turn that you've set up yeah and how do they deal with that yeah because yeah that's that's an insane amount of damage yeah. that's coming off those uh sting of sorceries alone yep so you just got to find a way to chip in enough damage before that yeah and then i know the other deck in question is ice lexi um, Ice Lexi seems to have a decent matchup into um, into Briar, but how much of that and how much of that is deck dependent, draw dependent, and pilot dependent? Yeah, and I need to test that more next because I have not played an Ice Lexi in Blitz at all. Yeah, and I I know you've made it very clear that you have no interest playing Ranger. I don't want to play Lexi. <laughs> I think Calgary, my first round was against a Lexi player, but it seemed kind of hybrid. Yeah. And there wasn't any like big channel like frigid turns or things to just really tax me out of the game. And I just did Briar things and ended that game pretty quickly. And I think that part's really important is like you, you need to, because that what I've noticed playing into uh, Ice Lexi or any Ice strategy uh, from the Briar or even just aggro side, because I've done some aggro um, IRA into it as well. Um, it's when channel lake frigid is out that's yeah you can get that and then some frostbite tokens on top of that 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 is so punishing but as the opponent or as the person playing into that ice strategy what i really found is if you can just play patiently and just wait until your opportunity where maybe you only have one frostbite and more importantly channel lake frigid isn't out that's your opportunity to do things yeah i'm thinking it's pretty draw dependent because if I'm Briar and I play first, I can just start pumping out the damage, especially in Blitz. They're starting at such a low life total. I'm already threatening lethal so quickly. I can probably block the first arrow attack that's threatening Frostbites with just my equipment. And then I'm threatening lethal in two or three turns, or I've got them at a point where they're now blocking with three or four cards a turn. So I think you need to see that channel like frigid early and find time to play it otherwise. Yeah. Briar just comes in so quick. Yeah, you have to have a, a constant stream of Channel Lake Frigid. Like, get your first one out, have it sit there for two, three turns. As it expires, be ready to play your next one. Um, and that, and that's to my point that if, as, as the person playing into the ice strategy, if you can wait for those opportunities where there isn't a Channel Lake Frigid out, maybe they miss one, maybe they have two tucked together in their deck. Yep. That's where it's going to be your opening to grab tempo. Yeah, and that's when arrows are going to start hitting me and I'm going to start getting those frostbite tokens and that will start going towards Lexi winning the match pretty quickly. I, I think it's exactly that. Just if you can, if you're on the ice Lexi side, because I have played a little bit of ice Lexi and it's, yeah, if you can find those channel lake frigids and stick them early and keep them around for a couple turns while you're just like 
you know, hitting them with a couple of arrows. Like if they're not making, if your briar opponent's not making embodiments and you have a channel out, like you're in a really good spot and it's really hard to lose tempo from that position. And then, you know, you don't do quite as much damage quite as fast, but you can still, you know, chip in, send in, you know, two arrows for five and one for four, and then, you know, another arrow for five and two more for four. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot of damage, especially with the channel out, so. Also, I think Blizzard is probably a very good card in the matchup. Yeah, it's only happened one once against me, and I just had a blue captain's call in my hand, so it just didn't matter. I just kept going. I think the issue with Blizzard in CC, yeah, I agree. I think in Blitz, you can't play Blizzard in in Lexi. Just the fact that it doesn't block is just such a liability. Mm. And mm -hmm. if you're arsenaling it, you have to flip it up, and then they just know about it. So I think I think Blizzard in Blitz is a huge liability. I would rather play a different ice card, but. Or an arrow that blocks for three. Or an arrow, yeah. I mean, like, you, you basically want, you know, a full 20 arrows in your deck at least. So, you know, there's only so many good ones. <laughs> yeah. Even if you're playing Remorseless and it hits, like, you know, sometimes Briar just doesn't care. They just go, like, attack, 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 whatever. I'll take the three. I'm taking, I'm hitting you for 13, right? See, that's interesting to me because I feel like if Blizzard works on the first attack, you're possibly preventing, like, nine damage or 12 if they have to pitch two red cards to give their thing go again and keep going, then this Blizzard's kind of blocking for like six. Well, yeah, but in other matchups, it doesn't do anything. This is, is, what, I, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's I, like, to, to Jeff's point, like one of the big things in, in Blitz compared to CC is two blocks are, are not your friend. Um, the, the block value of cards is so important in Blitz because Blitz is that finesse balance of like... Mm -hmm blocking and attacking and whoever does that better usually is the one who wins and two blocks like yeah if if you're playing into a briar and you draw a blizzard at the right time yeah maybe you give up they give up two cards to gain that go again and still be able to maybe swing sword for four but on the flip side you get matched up into um oh yeah this is not a good card into no. kano or old him or bravo or well, i mean it's a decks. blue at least right it is a blue so but it's I fine mean, into kano i but... was i was playing against a, a bolton um mm, that's a, a terrible a card into bolton. yeah and i just you know i drew this blizzard on just a pivotal turn where i was like well if this blizzard was a different ice card even if it's just a two block ice card i can at least you know throw it out there block with it and then i just had like three arrows in my hands so i'm like well i'm at like six or whatever and he's coming in for three and i just have to block with this arrow because i know that he's gonna fire in with the centauri saber after and i just like i need to block and i'm just i'm just adding up damage like if, at least if this was just a non-attack blue card that could block i would be in such a better position and it just kept happening whenever mm -hmm. i would i had these blizzards in my deck and i just never played them and they were always in my hand when i really needed to block and i was like shit <laughs> you know so yeah, I think that maybe there's a way that you can sneak one into your blitz, blitz list or even play two. But when I was playing it, it just it felt like a huge liability. You just you really needed to draw it at the exact right time. And I think it's probably better to build your Lexi deck where you're just going to be consistently taxing your opponent. You know, giving them making them block so they don't get a frostbite, or giving them two or three frostbites, or making them discard a card every single turn like i think that's just what you need to be doing yeah and chilling ice vein is a, a great arrow for that um yeah. playing once again playing from the briar side um chilling ice vein fused is probably one of my least favorite uh attacks to see uh because that one is a, you can't take the damage on that one you're 
you take the hit, you're giving up a card either way. Because if you've got a handful of reds, uh, one resource is one card. Uh, so, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, fill your deck full of chilling ice veins and you're one step ahead already. Yeah, I think that's probably your best bet. But I think both those ice strategies, like maybe Lexi is a little better against Briar, depending on the draw than old him is. But I think both of them are probably pretty, pretty solid against Briar and maybe not horrible against Kano. I haven't tested either of those. So into Kano, old him doesn't fare well. Uh, old him plays such a laid uh, a, a laid back plan uh, that even with uh, if he's running Nolbrun four with the Heart of Ice, can like as Kano the Kano player, I know to sit back, pick my uh, you know just play defensively and pick my moments. Wait till either like when they go to activate Heart of Ice, you're gonna at that point kind of decide if you're going to try to go in for some damage. Otherwise, you sit back until the end of the turn, uh, wait till your turn, um, prevent Frostbite tokens if you can. Uh, and yeah, it seems to work out in Kano's favor the, the the few times I've tried it. Yeah, Old Him does not have a fast clock against Kano at all. Yeah. And lots of the big attacks you have to pitch, like the two blues in your hand to put the attack on the... Yeah, so you just have nothing you just, Yeah, you have like one red card left in your hand, or maybe it's blue, but still like... It's just not a fast clock. Yeah. And if you're taking the other approach where you're like activating Heart of Ice and then trying to play a channel like Frigid or something, like they can either respond to these things or they can just kind of wait them out and maybe find opportunities to chip in arcane damage because if I'm doing that stuff, I'm probably not killing them very quickly. Yeah, that's true. I think Lexi might have the same, like a similar problem again because they activate Heart of Ice, you just respond and they run a lot of reds, but maybe more you have more opportunity as the Lexi player to just like force the action, kind of like how Reinar does with the Kano where you yeah. just, okay, you know, here's a heart of ice activation. What are you going to do? I have two blues and a yellow in my hand. Like, you know, do your worst. Yeah. Yeah, so, certainly. And Lexi like, also gets uh, a lot of arcane barrier. Yeah. And shock charmers can be really good in that matchup. And then I'm pretty sure they have a couple arrows that like every time you activate shock charmer, it adds the on hit effect again. Yeah. It does. Yeah. With, uh, with Buzzbolt and uh, Frazzle. I'm not sure which one uh, it is though. Chilling Ice Vein and Blizzardbolt also trigger on damage. Oh, yeah. So there's one that can on like, ice be, Lexi, be taxing yeah. you a bunch or making you discard a bunch of cards. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those, they trigger on damage. So you would get it. Yeah, you get the frostbites or make them discard for so each shock charmer hit, which is that's pretty, pretty good if you can if you can do it. I'm yeah. sure the Kano opponent would just have to respond to yeah, that I mean, anyway. But. I mean, I mean, you might can- kill them with the arrow on the field, but if they are hitting you with the arrow and they have shock charmers up, it could be. Yeah, it's a bad place to be as a wizard. Yeah, I think if we're if for now we're talking about strategies for fighting into Kano, um, the ice strategies do do mess with his things a little bit the taxes are pretty uh harsh on kano uh but the one uh one deck that actually does scare me a bit uh as on kano is uh uh lightning lexi so she has the ability to push a lot of damage just like lightning briar but she's got more blues so that plus you know uh her um bullseye bracers have arcane barrier um cross wrap has all arcane barrier um heart of ice has arcane barrier yeah uh and then i trying to remember if um the perch grapplers do uh no they don't no but even at that like arcane barrier three plus the heart of ice is a lot to deal with as a kano player yeah yeah exactly and uh 
so so right there like she's got good um good null rune plus uh able to threaten a lot of damage um if the cannibal player isn't able to quickly come out and threaten relevant damage right away um it, it's once again one of those matchups where you just fall behind uh in and um kano is if the stars align kano is able to pump out insane amounts of damage but um like a a good Kano player ideally wants to set their deck up and like make sure the pieces are in order so that they can do things properly and not just play off the top. And uh, Lexi, Lightning Lexi, can really force you to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the better strategies against Kano is just being able to have some arcane barrier, but also just force the action and really make the Kano player make choices instead of just being able to sit back sculpt their hand like it's like any combo deck in any game right like if yeah. you're just able to sit there and get your set of cards together where you're like all right i can just do 18 damage right here even if they have no rune four right yeah like if you get to that point in the game it's hard to lose so if you're playing against them if you can just force them to have to play off the top and take risks and you know maybe not do 14 maybe they can only do eight and you're like well i'll just take it and then you're here's lethal you know yeah, exactly. Your best bet. Yeah, if you come in quick and they've had no time to fast uh, and opt loose. a bunch, yeah, then you know you just force them into going for it, and it just kind of comes down to RNG at that point if the cards are in the right order on the top of the deck or not. Yeah, yeah. and I mean sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't, but that's why I say you live by the Kano, you die by the Kano. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I've been goldfishing it at home. It's actually so much fun. I hate playing <laughs> against it, but I can see. Oh, it's it's a ride when you play it. Like they're just like sitting there and trying to think about like, okay, if I like doing weird things like one of my favorites I think I've done so far is I had a two red snapbacks in my hand and a blazing ether in Arsenal, and I play the blazing ether, hold priority so it doesn't resolve. Play the but now the snapbacks see that I've played a wizard card, so I can play that at instant speed, play both snapbacks uh deal damage from them then resolve the blazing ether and now the blazing ether is dealing whatever damage that the snapbacks dealt that's insane and the fact that kano can do weird things like that is so much fun you know playing something then responding with something else to get a benefit off of both of them gaze the ages is another great example of like yeah like playing gaze the ages but holding priority playing a, a snap pack now that gaze the ages is coming back or playing a chain lightning even now that gaze the ages is coming back to your hand but the chain lightning is also going to deal three damage and you can just do weird things and it's it's a ride yeah uh but it it Playing Kano well does take a lot of practice too, and I think that is something that is important to highlight. Uh, it is not a deck that you can just sit down and start jamming games. Um, and like I myself learned Kano by losing to it a lot um, and just kind of learning the lines through paying attention to what my opponent was always doing when they were playing it. And uh, I do caution anybody who... I don't want to shy anybody away from playing Kano because it's a blast, but it, it definitely, it, you got to put your work in to get do, proficient yeah, with it. Yeah, you got to do some homework before you just bring it to your uh, next Blitz event. Exactly, Especially yeah. if it's a skirmish event because those get that bonus XP. So. The six XP wins. Yeah, you don't just want to show up with Kano not knowing what you're doing and go 03. So. Yeah, that'll be a feels bad. If it's going to, if, if you're just looking for a deck to pick up for the weekend, I do strongly say, like, I mean, the obvious choice is Lightning Briar. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but that, is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on for uh, Blitz? Um, any other heroes you want to highlight? Any other strategies? Any other counter meta talk? I saw a couple of Facebook posts of Dorinthia's winning in oh, yeah. a couple skirmishes around the States. And again, the top eight had quite a few briars and chains actually and the dorinthia was beating them all yeah you know what dorinthia is a bit of a dark horse and it's one i think we forget about at this point because well, i mean unfortunately dorinthia doesn't have a great matchup into kano uh but beyond that dorinthia has got a lot of a lot of armor like blocks really well and can pump out a lot of damage pretty quickly so mm-hmm. um she's definitely another one to consider uh and then you've got cards like route to just close out games um yeah it could be worth testing into briar because briars stereotypically are not very good at blocking until they have a bunch of embodiment of earth tokens but they still don't want to put down too many non-attack action cards or you don't draw them and so the finesse of like when am i over blocking a dorinthia when am i not blocking a dorinthia like i can get pretty awkward with a bunch of two blocks in hand i think the part of the problem though there is uh Dorinthia, a lot of her like her reprise relies on you blocking out a hand and if briar just for the most of the game isn't blocking out a hand anyway Dorinthia is going to have much less powerful turns and that um that could be enough to give briar the edge yeah like if it's just a ships passing in the night kind of moment i'm not sure if yeah dory has it in her to yeah, because now all of a sudden your your singing steel blades aren't fetching you cards, and your um, uh, iron song responses don't do anything. Your overpowers are much weaker. Like there's so many things that Dorinthia relies on. Even route, like route, doesn't do anything if you haven't blocked with a card from hand. Yeah, yeah. My initial plan would be to not block at all and just do briar things. Yeah, but I would like to see like how this Dorinthia was winning. Yeah, you know what? That's definitely, I think, something we should look into. Uh, maybe even something we can make a video out of. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think Dorinthia is a great dark horse to, to bring up. Um, trying to think just off the top of my head. I mean, Dash is always one to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, I, I think a really solid Dash strategy is kind of a hybrid pistols and boosting Dash. Uh, definitely choose. I, I think a big trap with with uh with dashes people will choose uh to either start with a teclo core or a hyperdriver and those are great because they get you a couple extra resources but then in the late game you're kind of wishing you still had something to lean on whereas uh the people who start with an induction chamber and kind of start off aggressively and then as the game kind of starts to get closer they can fall back on that induction chamber and maybe just a couple blues from hand to pistol for uh get four pistol shot or no sorry two pistol shots for four total or uh if you can get the plasma purifier out for six um in the late game that can sometimes clinch it for uh for dash yeah i think that's a good strategy as well especially against briar because then their embodiments aren't really doing anything you know like they might be coming in and you're blocking out and you just keep a blue in hand and then you just go all right pistol for two you know and are they gonna block two like spend a whole card for that and they only have so much armor so yeah that's a good strategy just keeping the tempo like don't lose tempo just keep it up like that's dash's specialty is just pistol for two just chip them chip them down they don't want to block these two shots so you can just keep getting them in there and yeah um now dash on the other hand um 
doesn't i mean i guess most of her cards do block for three but um like i mean the times i've played briar into dash it did feel fairly easy for briar still hmm. um not to say that a good dash player i don't think could find some edge in the game but um i, I do think just uh, at the forefront briar does have the advantage once again yeah unfortunately <laughs> i think another um deck that is probably still pretty good is chain i know it's not quite the powerhouse in blitz as it is in cc but i think it you know it has a reasonable matchup against uh against briar and some of the ice decks like it can definitely yeah. power through the the old hymns and lexis a little better than briar can so yeah i still think chain is like the best deck in the game when it comes to <laughs> its power draws are almost like unbeatable like if you have soul reaping into quite a few blood deck cards or if you have an art of war or a double art of war turn it's absolutely just bonkers it's just a little inconsistent sometimes when you're missing these banishes or you're not seeing art of war when you need to yeah and it doesn't it's not the best of blocking you do have quite a few two blocks in there but you get the husk you which the is husk. a huge get so yeah so I kind of think it's got some of the best equipment in the game and the best hero power in the game. Yeah, Grasp of the Dark Knight is probably the best equipment in the game. Grasp so is good. good. Go Again on a Stick is good. Yeah, 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 like you guys said, Husk is good. Spellbound Creepers is really good. Yeah. Spellbound Creepers is so good. Sneaking yeah. out those plunder on hits is huge. Yeah. Crazy good. Play the Skullcap like everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah everybody likes Skullcap. Yeah. Yep. When in doubt, run Skullcap. Yeah. Yep. Got no good headpiece, just throw a Skullcap in there. Yeah. 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 Until they print something uh, something else to take its place. I think Skullcap's going to be the de facto well, headpiece I mean, for a while. We're getting Skullcap as a reprint, so I doubt we're getting anything to replace it anytime well, soon. Yeah, I guess that's not what I meant. I meant like if, they're, if they make another majestic or legendary headpiece that can provide utility similar to what Skullcap does. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like as a brute, like, okay, I have Skullhorn. But like it doesn't block. It's got a crane barrier too, so it's pretty good in blitz. But the action that it does is like not useful to me really at all. Mm-hmm. So if there was just another generic headpiece that did something cool that I could, and then maybe blocks for one, or maybe it, ha- it blocks for two and has temper, or maybe it just has like blade break blocks for two. That'd be just, cool. Something yeah. like that, like that I can just choose between. Well, do I want skullcap? Like if I'm aggro. Skullcap isn't as good because it only blocks for one sometimes, especially on a pivotal turn where they're trying to like steal tempo back. It only blocks for one, so yeah. I think as the card pool increases a ton, we'll stop seeing like E Strike and Command and Conquer in almost every deck. And I hope so. Skullcap yeah. in almost every deck. <laughs> yeah, I do love me some Command and Conquer. Yeah, Six I mean it's a great blocks card. For three. It's so good, oh, so good. But. At least stops defense reactions, oh. blows up the arsenal. <laughs> yeah, there'll just be more stuff for players to think about and want to play yeah uh speaking of more things to think about so we have talked about blitz a fair bit here but uh what about draft because draft is a huge component of the skirmish season as well so excited it's actually so much fun and we have put so much work into testing drafting and playing fun drafts with friends and in hotel rooms and then i played a whole bunch of side event drafts at nationals and yeah yeah we've, we've put quite a bit of time into drafting over the last couple months and from what I can tell, most of the people signed up for this event, like all the Edmonton locals, have not drafted Tales of Aria yet. Yeah, so, and I think a lot of people even, you know, both locally and, uh, you know, hopefully people listening abroad uh, are looking for tips to get, uh, at least get some basics for, for their draft experience. 
Um, I know Tails is an interesting set to draft because it doesn't have generics in it. Well, it does have a couple generic equipments, but for the most part, everything right away locks you into a, uh, a class or an element or something where you got to start making choices. Uh, what are ways that you guys, uh, I guess I know, Andrew, you have some interesting uh, tricks you use to kind of help you right off the bat. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah, for sure. So firstly, just for anyone who doesn't know, the way a draft works is we have eight people sitting at a table. Everyone opens up their own pack of cards, one pack, and you have to take a card from every pack and then pass it around this group of eight people in a circle. So you're building a deck one card at a time that you're picking. So you want the cards that you picked to obviously go together into one deck, right? So a very important key to being a successful drafter in this game is trying to read signs and drafting what's open to you. Because if both the people right next to you are also trying to draft the same class that you're trying to play, then you're not going to have a very good deck. So these Tales of Aria packs, the way they're designed, their anatomy is so cool because you can just read signs very easily. The important part here is every single pack has your rare, your rare or better, your foil card, but then it's got two Runeblade cards, two Guardian cards, two Ranger cards, and then there's like your equipment and just five random elemental cards. But Every time I pick up a pack and look through it that someone has just passed me, I can quickly check, okay, what did they take? Is there a Runeblade card missing? Is there, you know, if they've taken a rare or like the rare or better card or equipment or something, like that doesn't really tell me anything. That's not a signal because those could be anything. But once we're into like pick three, pick four, pick five, I can start noticing like, okay, we're missing the two Runeblade cards. So somebody right next to me or next to them is for sure in Briar. So I don't want to be there. I want to be in Old Him or Lexi. So that's a lot of words. It's very complicated. <laughs> but the first couple picks, I like to be as open as possible. Just take something that's like an equipment or just a lightning card that can go in Lexi or Briar. Just take an ice card. It can go in Old Him or Lexi. And then as I start reading the signs and knowing what's open, I can like I can just see exactly where I should be and just go into that. And if everybody drafts their seat in this circle, we're all going to end up with pretty decent decks. No one's going to be cutting each other off of something that's right beside them. And that's pretty important to everybody getting what they want out of the draft. Yeah. And making. I think um, it's also really nice to, like, in the first couple packs, the, the foil, the rare, and then the rare or better slot, because those aren't locked in to any particular class, you, you can get those cards and not be sending signals. So... You know, if there's a sting of sorcery in your pack, you're like, oh, well, this card is pretty bonkers in, in Briar. So I'll just take the sting and, you know, the, the person on my right, they're not going to read the signal. And then, you know, I'll get a pack from the left. And I'm, okay, I'm not going to not going to re- necessarily see anything. Like maybe they just took an elemental card or maybe they took a rare or a, or a, a legendary or whatever, if they were lucky enough to pull one. And then you're going to, you, but those first three picks in pack one, you get, like the rare, you get the powerful cards, right? So you're already starting off where you're going to have a little bit of an inkling of like, okay, well, maybe I got a really powerful old him card. So I'm looking at the old him cards and I'm thinking, okay, hopefully old him's open because I've got this bomb majestic. And then, you know, if you see though on pick four that 
uh oh, both the guardian cards in this pack are gone. That means that like two of the people on my left, where I'm going to be getting two of the three packs from, are definitely an old him. I don't want to be there. So you can just easily say, okay, you know what sucks? I don't get to play the majestic, but I can pivot now and see what is open and start, you know, going that way. And that actually. You you bring it up perfectly. Uh, you talk about pivoting, and I think that's a, a good time to highlight. So when you are making your picks uh, across, because we we open a total of three packs, and you need to have at least thirty cards that are playable, uh, and thirty like thirty like if you want to have a good deck, you need thirty good cards. Um, and then on top of that, you're also drafting within the forty five total cards you will draft out of three packs. You need to draft your. Uh, any equipment you may use so you need to make sure that every pick is kind of contributing to your game plan but to go back to kind of what jeff's saying the first kind of four or five picks in the draft those are kind of your opportunity just to feel things out take things that you think could be good but you're not you're not upset if you're not going to play that card like once you're reaching about pack five and i know i've heard from matt rogers that he can kind of tell by like pack five that what what the signal is and what he what class he should be getting into and by the yeah by pack by pick five um if you've got say a total of four class cards picked you might only see two class cards at that point whatever you are seeing or maybe there's a bunch of the element stuff picked through and you're only seeing well one element left whatever you're seeing on that pack five and beyond and or pick five and beyond in pack one that's probably your best indication of uh, of where you need to be from that point on absolutely yeah i think yeah. a good strategy is like early on taking the equipment is so valuable because you have to draft your equipment you're not guaranteed to have four pieces of equipment and they even even the commons provide just that little bit of a bonus that can make or break a game so i think equipment is definitely very high pickable yeah and then the elemental cards and a lot of the majestics are also pretty high pickable yeah so yeah those are always good places to start if you pick an elemental card like a weave ice or something that also really helps keeping you open because it can go in two different heroes so yeah and just don't feel married to those first four picks. Yeah. Um, like Adam was bringing up perfectly, if you're only getting 45 cards and you're aiming for 30 playable cards, you can kind of assume like the last five cards you see out of every pack are just like the random not good cards that nobody wants that are near you. So they're probably not going to be playables for your deck. So if you need to pivot because people right beside you are building what you're building, then doing that right around pick four or five or six is... That's when you need to be doing it. In Magic, you could start pivoting like in the second pack even and still end up with a good deck. Well, a playable deck. But in, playable in, deck. In Fab, yeah, if you're trying to pivot late pack one or into pack two, you're not going to have your 30 cards. You're going to be filling your deck with crack baubles. So. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. As much as I love crack bauble, it's not a good card. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible card to Arsenal. Not great. <laughs> Most of the drafts I did at Nationals, even though I felt like I was in a pretty open seat, I only ended up with like 33 playables. Like it's, you don't get a lot of cards to build your deck with. So pivoting too late can be. Yeah. Big, especially big if you mistake. have four equipment cards, because that's, you know, you have 45 total 
four mm-hmm. equipments, that's 41. And then say, yeah, you know, 11 of those could just not be playable. They're just like the bad cards yeah. that people passed at the yeah, end. If you're playing old him and you might just have 11 Briar, Runeblade cards and, and Ranger cards, right? Like you might just not have more cards than exactly what you need, including equipment. So definitely very important to figure out what's open and kind of pick your lane pretty early on in the draft, which might be a little different for people who are coming from magic or even just other drafting games. Yeah. Uh, another couple other basics to highlight uh, about drafting as well. Um, just to anybody who's not certain, you don't have to worry about drafting your hero or drafting your uh, your basic weapon. So all the basic token rarity stuff you have full access to. So you just have to draft the equipment that go beyond the basic weapon or uh, uh, cards that go in your deck. Um, another big basic, I... When you're in the draft, the draft format uh, across the three packs, uh, you will pass your your first pack always gets passed to the left, second pack always gets passed to the right, and then third pack always gets passed to the left again. Um, it is always a good courtesy to not like stack packs on the person next to you. Like try to only be passing the pack over when your opponent's ready to receive a pack. That's a, a pretty good courtesy. Um, I mean, in professional drafts, uh, you're, you're actually timed. Uh, now, the skirmish drafts are, are casual levels, rules enforcement, so there's no timed portion. There's nothing stopping you from checking your picks between or your your cards between picks or anything like that. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that as a casual drafter. Um, any other kind of like fundamentals, basics you guys have for drafting? Every time I pick up a pack from the person next to me, I just count the cards that are in it really quickly, and then I just flick the the class cards to the front and see if anything's missing, see what they picked, start trying to read signs, and then, you know, just trying to sculpt a perfect 30-card deck, making sure I'm picking enough blues, yellows, reds to try to fund my game plan. In draft, you're allowed to play as many of a card that you pick. There's no two yeah. or three of rule yeah. for a card. You yeah, can so play. you have nine red inspire lightnings <laughs> if you get them yeah, <laughs> all lightnings good. or something yeah uh, i was going to touch on archetypes quickly as well each hero uh, and this is something to be mindful of and this kind of falls into some of the stuff we've already touched on uh you know picking within your element or whatnot but uh uh and there is this uh, archetypes are something that are, are woven into each um draft set in flesh and blood and there, there's uh, can be a lot of depth to it I, I think on a superficial level and all i really want to touch on is uh just be mindful of what your deck's trying to do so if you're drafting briar and you're finding you're drafting a lot of bramble sparks well maybe you want to be drafting earth cards to go along with it and you know that's part of your game plan is going to be pinging in arcane damage on top of you know these bigger earth uh attacks uh, whereas um, uh, a limited draft setting, Lightning Briar is very much uh, a thing on its own as well and just runs a lot of zero costs and is just trying to just constantly push damage. Old Him can, can bounce back and forth between the Earth and the Ice side, but I think plays a lot stronger on the Ice side, and that's where people are going to try to draft Old Him. Uh, I think uh, archetype-wise, I, I wouldn't worry so much about old him. Uh, if you're drafting old him, just pay attention to trying to draft a lot of blues. Uh, I know Andrew and I have kind of gone back and forth on how many blues is actually required, but 
if you can hit at least half your deck to be blues, you're happy. Um, whether that be a 30 card deck, a 40 card deck, um, just you can never have too many blues as, as old him. Uh, Lexi, same thing. Pay attention. If you're drafting the ice arrows, make sure you're drafting uh, ice elements to go with it. If you're drafting the, the lightning arrows, um, make sure you're drafting uh, the lightning cards to go with it. Uh, that is another trap you can fall into where you're, yeah, I'm drafting Lexi, but you're maybe not paying attention to uh, what uh, what types of arrows you're drafting along with the types of elements, and that can be a, a trap to fall into. Yeah, it's actually really cool, and I'm really happy LSS did this. There's so much depth to drafting this format, actually. At first, I was kind of like, oh man, eight people fighting over three heroes, that's a little awkward. Like, you've got eight people trying to make the same three decks, but it's actually more like six decks, because you can have one person trying to prioritize the Lightning Lexi, and another person, hopefully across the table from them, is prioritizing the Ice Lexi, and same for the other two heroes as well. So it's more like eight people fighting over six archetypes and didn't you even stumble upon like a a, a briar control archetype yeah, at one point a couple of my drafts um briar's so sought after lots of times there's like three briars in the pool and i found out that i could just sit there and take all these like inspire lightnings and things that just deal a bunch of arcane damage and then just play like briar control and i was i'm pretty sure i was undefeated with this strategy it was so ridiculous i just sit there blocking and playing sigils of suffering and just chipping in little bits of arcane damage and i stack my deck and i play till we've both decked ourselves and i'm just like playing all these inspire lightnings three arcane damage past the turn go back to blocking it was so funny and it just kept working <laughs> didn't even have to play like lightning aggro briar i just played like <laughs> the arcane damage effects and the D just a bunch of unblockable everything damage. that blocks for three. Yeah. yeah. Well, now you've let the secret out. Now I everyone know. knows. <laughs> yeah. It's wild because, you know, sometimes the old him guy that's really near you is picking all the red payoff cards and then you can just be scooping up all of the blue cards and the fusion cards. Yeah. And you're both, you both end up with like, I end up with a much more defensive deck that can fatigue really well and they're kind of resource starved and fusion starved and yeah 100%. there's a lot to it and there's a lot to it as well when you play people within your pod for the for the rounds right after yeah absolutely i think playing it's like a definitely a very different experience if you're playing against exclusively people in your pod versus yeah other just like i, I don't know i guess at the in nationals they you played we played within our pod, pod yeah. at nationals yeah so, and i yeah. think for pro level events that's what you're going to see set as a standard yeah uh what we're doing i think did travis say what we're doing this no, weekend? he was going to look into it. Yeah. So I think you were saying there is a feature in gem where you can click like play within your pod. That's what I've been told. I actually haven't played around with the, um, I, I haven't really ran any limited events through, uh, gem, so I wouldn't know, but yeah. I've heard that there is, uh, I know every time I go poke around in gem, I find something new that I didn't yeah. realize you could do. So, but Travis is great and he's run in a store perfectly and he reads everything that LSS sends him and does things the way he's supposed to so yeah if you are a new store trying to break out in the fab scene pay attention to what travis is doing yeah if guy, you don't know guys who, a gem yeah <laughs> so um i guess uh before we get to closing is there anything else you guys had this week i don't think so negative no runners uh best deck and blitz calling it now Just okay <laughs> i'm ready for them to ban plunder runner 
yeah. nerf Briar in some way. I'll go yeah. back to playing Chain. And then yeah. <laughs> Reinar will come swooping in from below. <laughs> yeah. I'm also very ready for Everfest. I'm excited for that. Everfest yeah. is going to be cool. Yeah, um, yeah it's going to be, you, you mentioned Plunder Run there. It's going to be interesting to see. I do think an errata on Plunder Run or a banning of Plunder Run could solve a lot of problems. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what LSS does. Uh, it, yep. They've, yeah. got a, they've got a tough decision to make. Yeah. yeah. And also lots of time to make it. Wait, so. This is true. And you know what? Uh, that makes me wonder, because I know we have been told we're supposed to get an update from LSS about the BNR list. Uh, we got it a while ago. So which I what I find interesting about this, LSS, when they did their banning of seeds, they at the time said they were already planning a, a follow-up BNR announcement. And that tells me that right off the bat, they they had some cards that were on their radar. And I mean, they came right out and said that, hey, we're keeping an eye on Hallowed Rites due to its ability to recur um, Hal from Beyond. But I think they had some other stuff probably from the new set that they were... Uh, eyeing up as well um God, yeah and i wonder if they were just talking about duskblade or if they they have a set in stone bnr announcement coming up uh the next banned and restricted announcement will be on december 14th 2021 Ooh, so it's keep, like two three weeks away yeah. yeah so and i mean that timing falls well we're between competitive seasons uh we know we're not going to have i well we don't know this for sure but i think it's safe to say we're probably not going to have anything in the early january time either so that gives people time to react. Um, but yeah, j- just the fact that that was snuck in at the end of their, uh, their, their seeds banning, that tells me that they had something else that they wanted to keep an eye on as well and, or that they were going to respond to nationals yeah, somehow. Or, or just that they knew that uh, they would need to have, whether they ban anything or not, maybe they'll, you know, they'll just say, okay, everything looks great. No, no bannings, no changes right now. But it's it's good to have like a, a point where you're like, okay, you know, skirmish season, skirmish season ends. We're going to do a shakeup if we need to give everybody time to brew and test and then we'll launch into the next, yeah, the next season. And I mean, if they, after that post skirmish ban and restricted announcement, if we start brewing and we're like, oh, Reinar is the best deck in the format. We need to ban um, Arc Smash, you know, they can... <laughs> take that month and a half of data that they have and say, okay, yeah, time to ban Art Smash before we get into the next pro season, you know? So what meta are you living in? Art <laughs> Smash is the problem card. <laughs> the da- dash is, is just, it's getting beat on, you know, dash is not good enough. We need to, we need to ban Art Smash. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, no, uh, December 14th, uh, mark it on your calendar. It's going to be uh, really interesting to see what we get from LSS. But I think that takes us to the end of uh, episode four. Uh, once again, you can find us on all social media platforms, uh, streaming platforms. Uh, we're on Twitch. We're on... No, we're not on Twitch. We are on Twitch. Are we on Twitch? We've made a Twitch. We made a Twitch. Yep. So we're even on Twitch now. <laughs> we don't know what we'll be streaming, but we're on Twitch. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. We're on that weird streaming service your Uncle Larry uses that no one else has ever heard of. True. Uh, yeah, so the Combat Chain podcast, uh, put it into your... I think we're even on... We have a Buzzsprout website or something like that. So if you Google search the combat chain, um, 
if you, yeah, if, if that's all you do, I think at this point we should come up. Yep. We've got Twitter. We've got cool stuff coming to YouTube. Yeah. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash the combat chain is how you can find us there. Uh, and of course we'll link all this in the uh, description of the uh, YouTube video as well. But uh, I think that's uh, all we've got. And until next week, uh, we're uh, closing the combat chain. Those are good clothes in the combat chain. That was, was like, we one. had like some.